Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we'll be talking more about what's happening out in the field. Our spotlight will look at tools to predict corn maturity. Ag History Minute will talk the National School Lunch Act. Cool Beans That's Corny will have some current events and we'll wrap it all up with a Field Good Friday. With me today are Bill Schombert. Hey guys. Max Garvey. What's up everybody? Todd Schombert. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. Well, we've had our first quote-unquote football for the year. We've got Packers Family Night happened last weekend. Anybody go or not? No. No. I did not either. Uh, but, you know, it's the preamble to the to the season. You get a little scrimmage action. Had the the practices. Peyton Manning showed up. We talked about that last week, I think, a little bit. To practice. To Packers practice, yeah. Why? Todd, while you were gone. Yeah. Why? Why did Peyton Manning show up? That's uh, awesome. For that quarterbacks thing or whatever he does. Okay. I think Jordan Love is going to nice. be on that. So. He's bored. Yeah. He's retired he's now. <laughs> he just does his... He forgot. Like, he's got a little CTE. He forgot he didn't yeah. play for the Packers. <laughs> he just showed up. He's like, hey, guys. It sounded like they gave him the floor, though, like, for the whole team. Like, he... Well, yeah, it's Peyton Man. I yeah. mean, you'd think that. That's cool. That's cool. Did anybody watch? I didn't even have... We were busy. I didn't even get to watch Family Night. So, I don't... I heard it, like... The you whole watch. talk this week is about how... When the Favre Rogers thing happened, how mad everybody was at Rogers, and now the Rogers to love thing, how in love, love we are with Jordan. Oh, love. we're still like, mad at Rogers. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's great. And now he took a pay cut, so we're really mad. Oh, at Rogers. that that when I read that news, I was like, really, like really, guy. Yeah. That's what we asked you to do all those times, or didn't ask you, but right, you could have. No, yeah, he complained about not getting other weapons yeah. because we're paying him all the money to yep. get those weapons. Yes. 65%. That's all we're thinking about. 65%. 65%. I do enjoy Mark Murphy's take on that of like, yeah, hope he gets 65%. They're, they're his, not his shy. Candor is, yeah. Mm, they're yeah. not shy about saying that, are they? Nope, and that, that's fine. But now they're in, in Cincinnati and there's fighting happening. Some chippiness. Yeah. Elton Jenkins got night. thrown out of practice yesterday. I wonder if that's just like, you know what? It's hot here. I'm just going to get thrown out of practice. And there are NFL players who have done interviews now that they've retired and said, yeah, I totally got in two fights just to get sent home. Like, I was done. So, I did see Jay Love through an absolute dime yesterday. Yeah. It was good. It was a good one. It was a really good one. Like, I'm in. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to be heard again. Right. There are still the haters, though, because I've seen a few things pop up of, like, if Jordan Love was really that good, he'd be playing instead of Rodgers or something like that. I'm like, no, oh no, no, that's not how this works. No, because Jordan Love was free and Rodgers was $40 million a year. So right. you, play you play the guy who's $40, 40 million a year. year. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what what happens <laughs> as we move into the actual season. I did see someone said, uh, how do we know... Uh, Christian Watson is actually good. And then they responded to their own tweet by saying, he made Trey Lance look good, so he must be pretty good. I was like, wow. <laughs> wow. Nice. Ooh. Ooh. He's looking bad, though. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I saw a thing, too, is not looking good either. Yeah. 
for the. I thought you said thing too. No, but Tua. I saw yeah. a thing. Yeah, the Tua. Tua yeah. is not looking good as well. Part of Tua non, so don't say that. Yeah. Well, Tua can't stay healthy either. That's big, big wow. problem in in the NFL as a starting quarterback. You got to be like, there. Like your linebackers, or whatever. You know, if you get eight games out of them, like we did with Clay Matthews for years, <laughs> it works. But your quarterback, not so much. No. Yeah. All right. You guys ready to get into our topic for today? Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Let's go. All right. So what's going on? What are we seeing besides some super mating uh, Japanese beetles all over the place? <laughs> it's kind of raining a little bit more. Like spotty, though. It, it It's raining more, but it's dr- there's more droughty corn, too, than I've seen. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's deceiving. I don't know. We still really haven't achieved uh, "quote unquote" normalcy with with the rain. It seems like, like even though we're getting more, we were getting so little before <laughs> that it's like, oh, this seems like yeah. it's raining a lot now, but it's really not. I I have this conversation with people who don't live and die by rain. Like when they're like, yeah, it's been raining a lot lately. By that they mean like, oh, I've had to you know cancel my golf tee time on Tuesday. And for me, I'm like, yeah, but it's not. It didn't actually rain a lot. It just rained enough to be inconvenient for you. Yeah. I'm like that, we're still um, the new drought monitor. I don't believe came out yet for this week, but we're still almost the whole state, other than Marinette County, I believe. Is Shawano County is pretty much like <clears throat> they're not that they're completely out of it, but they're that area is kind of been north the, of Green Bay has been getting a lot of. They're rain. just abnormally dry, Shawano County, for most of it, and then part of it is none. Yeah. Um. But that D3 extreme drought, has that spot has grown pretty significantly, and now the D2 severe drought has taken up a good portion of the state as well. We're, so we're back in Columbia. <clears throat> What's interesting is that D3 to the south, like there was a big donut hole in it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. They, they got a bunch of rain, and then it just filled right back in. Yeah. It's like, ha, just kidding. I have a, I have a grower that every weekly we meet in the field, and we it's like couple county guys myself and a couple of his advisors we all meet in the field and talk about what's going on and yes uh this week tuesday was the first time anyone has ever brought up like what's gonna happen in next year like if we don't get a lot of snow if we don't get a lot of fall rains like because they were digging post holes that was what kind of brought it up they were putting fence in and they're like we went down five feet and there's no water like our subsoil now it's right. dry. It's dry. Like when we went into 2020, it was so dang wet because of 1918. Now going into 24, I mean, that's something to think about for next year. Like if we don't get rain, this ain't going away. Right. It's probably more of a snow melt. Yeah. yeah. We really yeah. need that snow because you're right. It is unbelievable how dry the subsoil has got, you know, and we're depleting that with corn and alfalfa, especially alfalfa look at where that where is that getting the moisture from i got and our the lot next to our house is finally someone bought it and they dug the hole last week monday or something and i haven't walked across the you yard look. to look i should be nosy one night and just walk across and see what that profile looks like just just for reference and you know northeast wisconsin our area i don't know that they ever dig a basement that there isn't water in the bottom of it at least some you know at least a puddle in a corner my sump pump runs, it's still running to some degree. Like, yeah, my, the clay I live in is always wet. The sump pump always runs. 
So not as much as yours, Todd. And, and that's <laughs> not running at all right now, at all, at all, which is crazy. That's scary. That yeah. shows yeah. for how much yours normally. Does. Right. Like you're, you have like a, every day you have a fear, right? Of your uh, it, no, not well. Again, it's every like, other day I live in constant fear. fear. It it's it's very groundwater based, you know, or soil yeah. moisture. Like if if the subsoil and it's dry, and it it goes by the creek that's by my house, and oh, sure. that hasn't ran in forever. Like yeah. there's I, just creeks that aren't even. I I can't believe how low some of those are. I think the waterboard warriors in Wrightstown actually had some days where they couldn't couldn't do go their yeah. water ski show because of the low water. Maybe yep. Shyacton, like <clears throat> you know, is. The normal above flood stage or whatever early in spring, and then now it's just been like I feel like the water level keeps dropping well, every week I drive through there. So unfortunately, last week the river rail in Shackton burnt down, and they couldn't pump water out of the river. Right, because it was too low, and they're right they couldn't. By, put, and that's literally right. By it's the literally river. it's called the river rail because the back patio goes out to the, the river. river yeah. But they couldn't put their pumps in to pump water out of the river to put the fire out. They also couldn't pump water because they had shut down all the hydrants for construction, but there's... Also that. There's issues. There was, there was, yeah, there were some issues, but they, like, you know, I heard a couple people didn't say, like, well, why didn't they just drop a pump in the river? They have the equipment to do that, and I was like, and I was like, yeah, that's a good question, I started asking, because they literally, there wasn't enough water in the river to pump it out. Well, and talking to, it was getting, it wasn't so much the water level, it was the crap coming in. From, right, because, from the lower right, water. Because, sure. because, because it's concentrated in lower... Because they pumped first, Yeah, pump was getting plugged, then they went to water trucks, and they went back to the river eventually, too. So once they had everything kind of cleaned out. But yeah, it was it was a cluster no matter what. But So yeah, it's definitely down. So what, That's a bummer that we lost the river. Right? I know, I was pretty upset. I, even, like, I haven't been there in years, and that was always a, well, it was just a classic. New owners just was recently, it really? like not oh, like a year not or May. two ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, I guess a year, I guess. I think it's been over... Because we went, we went last year sometime, so I feel like it's been at least a year. You go see Stanley the Sturgeon, then go get some chicken wings. It's a good Sunday, little Sunday activity. There, we used to have quite a bit of meetings there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a good place for meetings. Yeah. But anyway, so one of the things, I, one of the things I've been talking about um, with, some, with some growers this week is uh, how uneven our corn came out of the ground and how... Since it came out of the ground uneven, it should have tasseled super uneven, and it actually tasseled somewhat uniformly. And how did that happen? Well, I, it wasn't perfect, don't get me wrong, but it was a lot better than I think we probably expected to see. How does that happen? What happened? And how is that going to affect our harvest? Um, we talked at length a couple times on the show about how this uneven emergence was probably going to really, you know, oh, our, our harvest is going to be delayed or we're going to have a hard time dialing it in. And I, I still believe that it will be hard to dial it in. However, um, really what matters is your tassel date, right? I mean, as, if they tassel within, if they came out of the ground four days apart, but they tassel within a day of each other. What, was silking even enough? It, it matters. Tassel date matters, but silking, silking right, yeah. is, silking. is the, I mean, you just, because you can see the tassel a lot easier than you can all the silks in the field. But I think what just the, the unevenness of silking sometimes. It, yeah. What, it, what I do think is weird about this year is in general, I feel like I got to, you got to use these like broad terms all the time to kind of like, it's, it's, you got drought here, but this guy is getting rain and you got within the field, there's variation and you, it's, it's just, there's so much variation that like what you're getting at max is we thought tasseling would be just 
It'd be like three weeks, weeks apart, yeah. right? And it wasn't. It was. What do you think it was? A week apart? Well, or what do you you know with? Yeah, it's in general. Yes, but I think you got to like I got some hot button or some hot spot fields that I know I got to watch. I just showed you guys a picture before we started. Yeah. This field had probably ten percent that emerged right away, and then it literally took a month for the rest of it to come out. So I've got whatever, 10%, that's a legitimate full cob blister stage, you know, bigger than my hand, you know, a footish long. And then I got little baby, little baby ones that the, ta- the, the silks are just coming out. Like it could be in your stir fry. That kind of say corn. fresh off the line at who hot. Right. So that one, I'm almost, that's a cash crop guy too. So that's like, Ooh, what are we going to do here? So, yeah, it it goes back to what we talked about earlier this season. I think like it depends how far off your germination of the second wave was, because I've got fields that are two leaves of tassel yet, where like thirty to forty percent of the field is tasseled, and the rest are still two leaves. Yeah. Do Do you think the, I this is what I hearing from farmers is like, I thought our corn was worse, but now it looks way better. And you called it Max the like road effect where yeah everything from the road looks way better now and then when you get in it it's like uh, okay this isn't as good this as is this is not and some fields are fine but there's enough that you this get goes in. into that drought conversation we we're having before too from the road nothing early this year when it was droughty from the road you're like oh my god it's the corn's all it's pineapple tough. and stuff I'm not seeing that anymore from the road right I'm getting in the field and that's where you're like ooh. Uh, it's it's struggling. Um, well, like we we said, it's raining more <clears throat> potentially now, just not amount wise more. But you can see those weaker root systems on those some of those plants because of the pineappling and stuff when you walk in the field yep. versus the ones that look like they're halfway deep. Because it's like well, it just rained last night. Why does this look so ugly? And it's like, oh yeah, because it went right through and. I, I do think the we so in the last couple of weeks the dews have kind of come back. Yeah, and I think the heavy dews are masking how dry it really is because they're staying wet till eleven o'clock in the morning sure. and then it's getting dry. We're like, uh, was it Monday or two Tuesday? Mo- Monday too wasn't a very dewy day. Tuesday yeah, I know Monday for sure. Bad, yeah. Tuesday I know for sure there was like no dew by like seven thirty. It was already dry in hayfields. And that's when I really started to see that those droughty corn spots kind of pop back up. And so you can tell the dews were kind of inching us along but the ado isn't enough to sustain growth it's enough to keep it from looking bad yeah so but anyway um this kind of rolls right into our next kind of topic and i don't know if you guys started getting this this week but i definitely did when are we going to be chopping corn can we chop corn when are we going to chop corn chop corn soon chop corn early chop corn late you know how the conversation goes right um, so what ha- what has been your answer this week to when are we going to chop corn and don't t- tell me 45 days Late from tassel, it's gonna be later. I think I'm, it depends. Like we talked about, the fields that look good and tasseled fairly close together, they're probably gonna be the easier ones to dial in compared to these ones that, like I said, are two leaves. Some of the plants are two leaves to tassel, and the rest have been tasseled for a week. And so, I think talking to one of the UW um, crops guys the other day, like. 10th to the 20th of September is kind of yep. where a lot of stuff's going to fall. And there's going to be some stuff that's going to be October 1st. So it's it's really it, it really depends on your individual field and 
how how emergence was, how tasseling was, silking, everything. Like, there's no easy answer. There's no like, oh yeah, everyone's gonna be going all at once because that's the way we thought it was gonna be, because it was wet and then everything kind of dried out and everyone was planting kind of the same time. <clears throat> and now it's now it's gonna be kind of a crapshoot depending on. I think variety is gonna matter. Yeah, variety too, matter too. Yeah, trying to plan got a farm that plans BMR and we're trying to plan fungicide right now and he's shooting for brown silks which that's a whole nother discussion but the 106 day Brevant is full yellow his 99 and 95 day Brevant is brown silks like so I think maturity is going to affect that and, and yeah. to maturity and by planting date by a day or two is like not a day or two apart that's what I noticed. Yeah. Right. Is if you planted 106 day on the 5th and 106 day on the 7th, they're not two days apart. They're 10. Like, it's pretty phenomenal how different they are. Um, so you got to be, you're not just going to be able to look at the spreadsheet and go, hey, this it's going to be like this. It's not, it's not going to be like really that. What's really going to suck is guys that get the smaller guys with custom harvesters where they want to take it all at once. No. Oh. It's just going to be a nightmare. <laughs> Trying but to even I've do been that. thinking about that of how do you how do you plan that? Do you get it? You're either going to be way too wet or way too dry, or you're going to have the the mix of wet and dry, obviously, to try to hit in the middle. And it's ugh, it's no, gonna it's be a mess you're going to see way. a lot of piles and silos running. I think this year because, we, because we're going to have to chop some wet stuff. Yeah, and, it, and and that's not a good. It's even for cattle. That's we we don't want that. Right. So. Uh, the discussion I had with one guy, one grower, and the idea was our normal target is 64%. Let's try and make it 62 or 63 this year because we know how much wet stuff is going to be. And if we just move that two points down, that should put our wet stuff instead of at 70. It should be at 68 or 72. It should be at 70. That, that is a good point. Is I do think it's the extremes that kill us in that scenario. It's the it's the 80 that gets in there somehow yeah, yeah. that's way late or the anything above about 75. So you're right about that, man. So just it's just by moving it two points, we see like we can hopefully get that average. Point. Yeah. Yep. So I, that's what, what. What do you guys think will be? Is it going to be our dry downs going to work like our normal grab three to four stocks? Are I'm nervous that we're going to spend the whole month of September I, with our staff and ourselves doing dry downs, and it's we might as well just stay home and. And, Play sheep and, head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, Bill, I agree. Honestly, with you, Bill. Like, like we I, spend a lot. Like our whole staff, our whole company spends a lot of time doing dry downs, and I'm very nervous that this year you might as well just soil sample. I, I'm, so, I've already braced. I think I'm starting to brace. People are ready, and normally I'm I'm okay with pulling twice a week, ten samples at each farm twice a week, or at certain farms. And I've already told them like it's not going to go that way this year. We just don't. It, it's not going to pay. So we're not we can't we can't spend that much energy on it for the return. Been doing a lot of thinking on this because <laughs> la- last year, the last two years, you guys know I'm like God. These just aren't they're not Todd's working. Especially break. Todd's like it's it's fake because of the rain and then it just I, gonna it just, plummet, plummet. And in this year, it's fake because of how uneven everything is. is I think you gotta do you gotta pick a few fields and do a burn down like twice a week or at least once a week on the same field. Yeah, and just get to get that, the rate of get the rate of drop. Yeah, and that's it, and just get that rate because then too, if you go to a the other part's like, do you grab a 
a mature stock and a less mature stock? How are you going to do all that? Are we going to have to G- so then, GPS our points? Uh, right. And then we'll go right. back to them no, you, to be consistent. I, I think yeah. you might. Exactly. So Crap. I, I think you really got to think I'm that just through of the normal, like our normal, like, oh, let's go grab a couple stocks is going to be, you know, I don't want to say it's going to be a, a they're not going to be worth it. They're just not. And, and milk line. That isn't. I mean, we've seen there's already unevenness within the cob itself. Say milk, milk line is still going to be milk line. You're so still going to have I, advanced cobs and less advanced cobs. Right. So it's not really going to so change anything there. Maybe help, but I, I don't. Should we just take the gonna, plot chopper and start driving and through just fields? Uh, okay. Well, that's the other. Matt, you're perfect. We don't have that a, many plot choppers. <laughs> it's a perfect segue into the. Is I really think you need to do test loads, big time on the. You know, get. I, which, like you said, with the custom chopper guys, custom hard, guys it's just not, it's not gonna happen. But if you got your own chopper, is just be ready, get your chopper ready to just take swipes across a couple fields and then run test loads because the the normal what we're used to and what we're seeing for unevenness and spots that got hit with the drought worse within the field, it's it's just gonna be really difficult to to mark that. I, I could see it in all your eyes that you guys agree. We've, it's, we've, yeah, no, I, I think we've all thought about this a lot, like quietly to it. When you have your alone time in your truck and you go through like some of the things, this is one of the ones where you're like, ah, oh, man, I don't know how we're going to make this work this year. It's going to be tough. The hardest part is it's because like the numbers we give our clients mean a lot to when they go and like they have to deal with this feed all year long. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel somewhat guilty when how's it going oh it's at 58 i like how did i miss that or it's both ways because it's it's the the target is so small now that they need like you just said 64 is say one of your guys started well it's not 60 to 70 anymore right it's 64 so and if if you don't hit that number you feel like right so did all this work all summer if you just failed because we fail and if you're at 70 it's a huge fail and it just at least at 70 you can stop yeah (laughs) Yeah. most guys don't it's 58 uh, you can't stop i mean yeah 70 you can say hey go do that neighbor that you got a custom harvest for you can go knock his stuff out and come back or whatever yeah yeah, fifty-eight. That's a that's a no sleep till Brooklyn kind of moment. So that is a good point. Is maybe the, instead of waiting till it's too late, you, you start the test loads a week early to make sure you're not missing the yeah the window. But at the same time, the way I'm I've seen corn dry down, it goes from seventy to sixty quickly. Right. So that that not not necessarily quickly isn't the right way to say it, but it it can drop. Yeah. It's just a matter of knowing, like, the hard part is, even in other years, we can take field A, field B, like, okay, this one's at 68, this one's at 72, like, we can kind of do the mental math on that one. This year, there's no, like, all right, when this section of this field is at 82, and this (laughs) section of this field is at 62, uh, yeah, let's go. There's just not going to be an easy answer anywhere, and and that's the hardest part of doing this. And like I said before, the, with the custom side, those guys don't like to do, all right, we're just going to chop this field until it gets too high, and then we're going to go to the next field. Like, right. They're, they're going to want to just finish the field, unless it's really, really wet. 
but yeah, it's it's the control of the lack of control we're going to have this year is probably at its peak compared to other years. So, Bill, do you, do you want to talk about your uh, your Lazarus weed? I just can't get water hemp dead. I enjoyed the picture you sent of where it looks like it's just laid down and then just sprouting. Right was that a the... picked water hemp or was no? It... Oh, okay, but it was. It was it legitimately. I mean, the whole we bottom. We looked... sprayed it with enlist. It curled. It went sideways, and then it just said, "Nah, suck it," and then just like almost like gooseneck corn. Yeah, like it just roop, and all of a sudden now this week I think. Those are popping through, right? Because I'm seeing more fields that are that have it, yeah, dirtier. And my take is, we rewind the clock and we go back to all those applications, and you have to put MSO in. Like, there's no questioning anymore. It has to be MSO, not crap oil. Correct. Yes, I you I said that correctly. MSO, you, yeah, okay. You just have to get just hit it hard. Do you think anything has to do with, and I don't know if Waterhemp even does this, but it wasn't actively growing? That could be, and I think also with the hot weather and dry weather, it hardened off. I think that's some of it. I've seen some of it like almost canker at the, I don't even know if that'd be the right word, but the base of the root is like a tree stump. Yes. And then it like killed off the inner part, but the outside and the still, outside, yeah, yeah. like like 100%. finds a way somehow. Like where you go, like oh man, yeah. this stuff did something weird, I, and it definitely, yeah, it it grew differently. Like you kick, like you kick them, and there's no, there's not much there holding like, them down, but they're still living. They're like very fragile. You know when you kick a weed, it's like there's some solidness to it. Especially you, water hemp, you kick it and it'll. But this you know, is it like usually really brittle. Back up. Right. Like yeah, it's brittle, really brittle, yeah. but it's still alive. Yeah. It's just I'm throwing my hands up, going, I don't know what else to do. We spent like Max and I were talking like eighty bucks an acre. Sure. And, oh, and, it, and, and, and it didn't do anything. Yeah. Like we're still got water hemp. What always shocks me, the water hemp, in the last say five years we had a problem with it is the inconsistent like you'd think you'd have like okay we use xyz program and you use the same program and one got great results and one got not good at all like that's still what shocks me is how different the same things can be you'd think yeah, like, every, oh, yeah. every time you think you got it figured out right. you just get kicked in the teeth again like, everything never, else is dead like there's no, no nothing right there's no lambs quarters, nothing. No valley, it's no, just yeah. water hemp and I had a guy call me on Friday. He's like, why is this field so weedy? And we talked through, I talked that through, like, I think it's weather-related and didn't kill, and we should be going with different adjuvants. And he's like, well, what we used last year worked so much better. We used Liberty last year, so I don't know if that was versus sure, I do Enlist. Just no, we're, we've gone Liberty and Enlist both. Yeah, that, maybe that's. I what think we that's what they're. I know that's what they're doing all in Illinois, and that yeah. those beans are clean. Right. So it is. It's weird taking that, somewhat that next step that way. It's just we've gone to coin it the Jesus weed because it just keeps resurrecting. Like it looks dead, and then you come he back. He's risen. Yeah. Three days later, <laughs> it's back. Yeah. 
Yeah, and walking walking the summer has been like forty days and forty nights in the desert. <laughs> Just didn't have to move a boulder to yeah to resurrect itself this time. All right, so there you go. There's some things we're seeing out in the field, and as we move through our season this year, now let's move into the spotlight for today. So using tools to predict corn maturity, it fits right in with what we've just been talking about. This year's wild weather will make harvest timing challenging, but there are tools that can help. And so ways to measure physiological maturity are out there. And there are a couple different methods. One is the simple count of calendar days to maturity from tassel emergence. For example, if field was observed to have tasseled on July 4th, And in 55 to 65 days, most hybrids will mature. That seems a little bit on the outside of what we normally see, but it can happen. Uh, So it could be... I think they mean mature. Like Like black 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 layers. Yeah, okay. That makes more sense. Yeah, because the next thing says 42 to 47 days from tassel. It it started talking about silage in in the article, and that's what threw me off. It was like... Um, so yeah, silage harvest is typically 42 to 47 days. There we go. There's the, the number that makes more sense, um, would be calendar day estimate to half milk line, which like we talked about before may not be a very good measurement, but, uh, yeah. So that's one way also looking at growing degree days is another way to see what you've got. So if you know emergence and can look back at growing degree days can get a rough idea because most varieties do have a GDUs to black layer. So if you're looking for dry corn, that's one way to look at it. Um, silage harvest can be pretty tough like we talked about and uh, there's not exactly the GDUs to silage harvest as there is to black layer with a lot of varieties. So you've, you've still got to do some measuring and some field work there, but um, yeah, most silages will accumulate about half a percent dry matter or lose half a percent of moisture each day it matures. However, extreme weather conditions can lose nothing to one percent moisture each day. And we've definitely seen that in the past. I think when you start measuring, uh, we do our dry downs and it just can go like, oh, this isn't drying down at all. And then all of a sudden, like t- you said, Todd, it just drops like a rock. So typically, depending on type of storage, so a horizontal silo, 65 to 70% is your optimum moisture. Conventional tower, 63 to 68. Oxygen limiting, 55 to 60. And a bag, 65%. So knowing your number can be helpful. This year may not matter quite as much because we may not hit that number no matter how hard we try. But So there you go. That's some ways to look at how your corn is maturing. Now let's move into our Ag History Minute. All right, today we're going to talk the National School Lunch Act, which was created, um, which created the National School Lunch Program, which provides low-cost or free school Lunch meals to qualified students through subsidies to schools. This was not a new idea. Department of Agriculture has provided funds and food to schools for many years prior to 1946. 
when the National School Lunch Act was passed. They began to distribute food only to a few schools in 1935 due to huge agricultural surpluses. Just a couple years prior, the 78th Congress amended the Agricultural Act of 1935 to specifically provide for funds for maintaining the school lunch program. By fiscal year 1943, over $23 million was being spent on school lunches and milk. The program was taken over by the War Food Administration in February 1943 during the war. The program was changed so that schools could buy food locally and be reimbursed up to 50% of the cost so that the money would not have to be spent on trucks and gasoline. In July 1943, Congress passed legislation permitting up to $50 million to be spent on the program and appropriated the same for 1944 through 45. Some states were not taken with the idea of money being voted on annually for fear that Congress would eventually let the program die and were supportive of permanent funding. So I think we've all eaten school lunch, whether and we can all talk about differing experiences with different school lunches, but um, it is a valuable program that I think a lot of kids do benefit from, especially those who maybe don't get full meals other times of the day. Lunch was my best subject in school. (laughs) Not recess? No. I was too fat for recess. Lunch was my best (laughs) subject in school. There were some school lunches that were just the bomb. Square pizza. Yeah. Pizza Square pizza. Sloppy Joe's. Extra sloppy. Extra sloppy for you. I don't even know what my favorite school lunch was. Mine was tacos. Tacos are good. They started doing a new one like toward the end of our high school career that I, I enjoyed. And it was like a roasted chicken like nice. thing. That was kind of cool. You don't remember that one? I don't. I just remember the bread. They didn't have like homemade bread and then <sighs> like a peanut butter that was like half mixed with water. So it was like a watery peanut butter, but it was awesome. And now with all the peanut allergy stuff, I don't even think that's we had, like really awful. We had like really watery jelly. That was really yeah, was good. good. Yeah. Because you could like fill like... I think it's jam then. It was like... Delicious jams and jellies. It was like dumping like soda out of the bottle. It was like super watery. <laughs> but you do like... You grab like three or four like, pieces of bread and put them in one of your oh, compartments yeah. and then just kind of let it kind of soak while you ate your meal and that was your dessert. It was like jelly cake. <laughs> I was It was good. Pure, pure sugar water. Yeah, pretty much. That was elementary school. We didn't get that when we were older. But I remember in elementary school making jelly cake at lunch. All right. Thank you, guys. And thank you to all our listeners out there. Please subscribe to the podcast and tell a farmer friend. It's very easy. All you need to do is search Tilt Talk Radio in Apple Podcasts or on Android. Download an app like Podcast Attic, and there you can hit subscribe and get all of our episodes. You can also listen on your computer or smartphone browser. Go to tiltegg.com slash podcast. We're also available on Amazon Music, and you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilth Talk Radio. Thanks, Todd. All right. I can hear the cricket in the background even. I don't know if this will come through, but there is a cricket in the studio that is just mocking us today, which is great. So it's not just the cricket. You're not hearing crickets in your cab while you're listening to us. (laughs) It's it's a literal cricket. It's like that one in the basement you can never Never find. Yeah, or in the garage. Hopefully, eventually, he'll starve. All right, now let's get into our current events with some cool beans. That's corny. So cool beans, cool beans, cool beans, cool beans, cool beans. Our cool beans this week, fertilizer prices looking better heading into fall. It's been some fluctuations all year long, but in general, 
uh, a lot of the motion and worry about getting product is no longer in place. According to Josh Linville, said the Midwest average for anhydrous is the upper $400 ton, uh, per ton compared to $900 per ton last year. For DAP in the Gulf of Mexico, it was $750 per ton last year. And in the last week, uh, we're sitting at $500 per ton. So potash and urea are also lower. It says demand for fall nutrients is mixed, and some farmers have already booked fall fertilizer. But others might wait because the corn-to-fertilizer price ratio is widening as the price moves lower. Uh, ratio he's looking at is New Orleans urea and Chicago corn prices. Local values and ratios will be different because of the basis level. A few weeks ago, the ratio was 53, one of the best ratios since 2018, and today it's much higher. So, uh, said Linville says farmers should consider booking fertilizer at current prices. Or like two weeks ago, we were reading about how fertilizer prices are going to go up because they weren't going to be able to get it up the Mississippi River. Yeah, it changes. Like I said, a lot of fluctuation this year. Been trying to follow that all year long, and it's like, oh, this week it went up. Oh, now down. Now down again. Oh, up, down, up, down. It's like a weird dance. All right, are that's corny this week. So what state has the worst corn for 2023? And that is apparently Missouri. Oof. So Missouri corn farmers continue to be challenged by drought and above average temperatures as the calendar has turned to August. Of the state's 114 counties, 48 have USDA disaster designations. So with 44% of the state's crop in poor to very poor shape, Missouri currently has the worst corn in the country. So congratulations, Missouri. Uh, not not a great it's, thing. It's but. the perfect that's corny. Well, what, what's funny is, I remember back to the beginning of the season, Missouri was like ahead in planting. They were way ahead. And, and everything, yeah. and now, yeah, apparently I do remember that, that, yeah. that came back and bit them in the butt. So, sorry, Missouri. Sucks to be you, I guess. And, all right, let's wrap things up then with a feel-good Friday. So today we're going to talk grants that will help small and rural schools improve meals. So some 264 school districts across the nation will receive up to $150,000 apiece for projects to improve the nutritional quality of the meals served in small and rural schools. So you mean ketchup doesn't count as a serving of vegetables anymore? Is that, is that <laughs> what we're saying? That's what we tell our kids <laughs> when they put ketchup on their... Everything. And, and they everything. Put, I put ketchup on my uh, french fries. What do you mean I didn't get enough vegetables today? <laughs> so nearly $30 million will be distributed through the Healthy Meals Incentives Initiative, uh, said Agricultural Deputy Secretary. You got it, Matt. Oh, boy. Kotal Torres Small. I'm not really sure I pronounced that right, so I apologize. To Kotal. Uh, with these funds, small and rural school districts will be able to modernize their operations and provide more nutritious meals, helping students succeed in the classroom and beyond. The money can be spent on such projects as updating kitchens, redesigning food service areas, training staff. Work will begin this fall and be completed over the next two years. And these grants are the largest targeted investment USDA has ever made for school meal programs in small and rural communities according to Stacy Dean, Agricultural Deputy Undersecretary for Nutrition. So, yeah, some schools hopefully will be seeing some improvements in how they can make and distribute 
school lunches. Sounds cool to me. I was $150,000 per school. Just think that buys a lot of local beef for the, for the food, for the cafeteria for the year, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that'll happen, but it'd be pretty cool if it did. It would be cool if it did. All right. That'll do it for this week. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. So today we talked what we're seeing in the field as far as uneven or even tasseling, depending on the field and how corn chopping may go this year. In our spotlight, we looked at tools to predict corn maturity, which would be very difficult this year. Ag History Minute, we talked National School Lunch Program. Cool beans this week was fertilizer prices are heading down going into fall. That's corny. Was Missouri wins the prize for worst corn in the country. And our Field Good Friday was grants available for helping small and rural schools improve school lunch. Thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming.